Hello and welcome to Balanced Living. We're so glad you've joined us today. My name is Vicki Griffin. I'm hosting this program today with my colleague, Evelyn Kissinger. She is the Nutrition Director of Lifestyle Matters. I'm the director. And today we are talking about the buzz on beverages. Are the perks worth the price? But as we begin, I'd like to open the program with a wonderful promise from Isaiah chapter 40, verses 28 through 31. God himself is asking us a question for our consideration. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, neither faints nor is weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the weak and to those who have no strength. He increases might. I'm going to repeat that. He gives power to the weak and to those who have no might. He increases strength. Even the youths shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Today, we're talking, Evelyn, about caffeine. We're talking about energy. We're talking about the strength to get through every day, and it's a pretty hot topic in today's society. We are all looking for more energy. That it seems to be one of the most challenging issues I hear in people's life. Oh, I'm so tired, they say. Right. And we're looking for energy and vibrance, and that's what we're going to talk about today. How can we reach that energy and vibrance? So when it comes to caffeine, the question that we're going to ask today and take a candid look We're going to ask the question, are the perks worth the price? Is caffeine harmless or can it constitute a genuine addictive drug? We're also going to take a look at sugary drink consumption and consider healthy alternatives to gaining the kind of strength and energy that God wants us to have, the energy that endures and strengthens rather than artificially stimulates You know, Evelyn, caffeine is the world's most widely used drug. A lot of people don't think of it as a drug. Right. And approximately 90% of Americans consume caffeine in some form every day. I know that at the earliest juncture of my life, before I understood some of these things, I was consuming up to 10 cups of coffee a day. And I will tell you, there is a downside to the upside of that kind of stimulation. So we're really playing a game. So did you have energy with 10 (laughs) cups of coffee a day? Well, you know, there's a lot that came with that. So the studies show that just one cup of coffee a day really can create a dependency and cause withdrawal symptoms. So it's been dubbed the bad habit glue because it can make other drugs like nicotine actually more addictive. So what are some major sources of caffeine among adults? I think most people think of coffee and tea when we talk about caffeine. Americans consume almost 600 million cups of coffee a day. That's about three or so cups per person. And the daily intake of more than half of Americans is over 300 milligrams of caffeine a day. 30% consume more than 500 milligrams a day. 
So but we find it in other places as well. Yeah. We're also seeing a dramatic increase in the use of highly caffeinated beverages in the form of soft drinks, energy drinks, and sports gels. There's even caffeinated water now. Yes. And they call it Joe. So caffeine is also readily available in over-the-counter medications, weight loss drugs. You know, chocolate contains tiny amounts of a caffeine cousin. It's called theobromine. It also contains antioxidants and beneficial plant compounds that we've heard a lot about. And it's an enjoyable treat to some people, but it's really not a health food, is it? No, that's right. It's not a health food. It's more in the category of an occasional treat. Carob is a nice alternative as well. So this is a very interesting statement from Max Hammond, a physician who comments on caffeine as it is used in our culture and society today. And he says this, caffeine is not an energy producer. True energy comes from a source of calories which can be burned by the body. Caffeine does not produce energy. It produces artificial stimulation. So caffeine gives a sense of alertness and energy, but then often saps the energy bank account with interest because it floods your body with stress hormones that may make you feel a rush in these large amounts, but then robs you of the deep sleep needed to rejuvenate cells, memory, and immune health. So how would we liken this? Kind of like a plastic millionaire who uses credit cards to live lavishly, but sooner or later, those bills are going to come in. Also, the inflated interest rate. Let's just give a qualifier here. Caffeine can serve as an analgesic. It can be a painkiller. It can serve as a rescue medicine for migraine. And as a migraine sufferer myself, I am grateful for the rescue effects. But remembering that the daily use of caffeine, the regular use of caffeine causes headache. But in terms of addressing migraine and some other issues as a rescue medicine, it can be a helpful intervention, but it is a drug. So we have to remember that caffeine uses chemical trickery to induce a state of alertness. People today are using caffeine as a substitute for rest, exercise, balanced nutrition, and just having a more reasonable lifestyle. And we're coming up short. Caffeine can cause metabolic mayhem by injecting stress hormones into the system. So there is a similar effect on stress hormones. It can cause this chemical trickery that induces a state of alertness and wakefulness, but that ends in fatigue, often depression, and many times cravings. It manipulates the dopamine and it gives you that quick fix, but the result is often a mental fog and often a depressed mood. And some people even have like flu symptoms later on as the drug wears off. That's one reason why caffeinated drinks often cause a strong dependency because you keep going back to it. And the sugar in the caffeinated beverages can also add a kicker that calls for more caffeine. Mm, Yes, and it is absolutely true, Evelyn, that a large proportion of caffeine users exhibit dependence-like behaviors, including withdrawal symptoms. And that would include jitters, anxiety, irritability, insomnia, and palpitations. And there's more, including tolerance and withdrawal. In other words, needing more and more to get the same effect. And finally, depression or even mania. Fortunately, those symptoms don't last forever. The worst is over in a few days to a week when you decide to quit. We suggest titrating off slowly, just like you would with any other drug. And if you think you have an addiction, 
it's really important to work closely with your health care provider. A lot of kids are getting a lot of caffeine just at a young age. Maybe it's not through coffee or tea, but soda, caffeinated beverages. A lot of children are consuming those, and not only are they getting the caffeine, but they're getting the number one source of added sugar in the diet, which is soda pop. And that is a lot of refined trouble, isn't it? So caffeine dependency can form at a very young age. However, with or without caffeine, with all the soda pop consumption, we've got a mix of phosphoric acid, sugar, and often caffeine. And it's not good for the brain, bones, or body at any age. I talked to one pediatrician that said he's seeing fractures in young children that are at the level of complication that you would see in an older adult. So a daily 12-ounce soda increases obesity risk in children by 60% and can double the risk of diabetes in adults. And teens, they are consuming a lot as well, with teen males drinking an average of over three 12-ounce cans a day. Wow. Surveys reported in Forbes in 2012, Americans are now consuming almost 500 sugar calories a day three pounds of sugar a week, and 53 gallons of soft drinks a year. 53 gallons of soft drinks a year. The average lifetime amount of sugar consumption is more than 3,500 pounds of sugar. That amounts to a fully loaded industrial dumpster. Whoa. Oh, dear. And so it's really time to take a look and reassess our habits. And that's really different than an occasional small treat. It's a far cry from what our daily consumption patterns are. Eating those refined carbs or drinking those refined carbs is a huge factor in obesity, in inflammation in the body, increased inflammation, addiction for some, and it affects the brain. The sugar load has serious effects on the health over time, and it includes diabetes, heart disease, arthritis, autoimmune disease, high blood pressure, mood and learning problems, and increased risk for dementia. So what I hear you saying, Evelyn, is that as a nation, we're becoming addicted to refined added sweets and caffeine with some pretty sour results. Yeah. What is it doing to the brain? This is a really interesting statement from a Dr. Fernando Gomez Padilla from the UCLA Department of Neurosurgery, of all things. So it says here, eating a high fructose or added sugar diet over the long term alters your brain's ability to learn and remember information. Eating too much high fructose could block insulin's ability to regulate how cells use and store sugar for the energy required for processing not only thoughts, but emotions. He says, our study shows that a high fructose diet harms the brain as well as the body. So Evelyn, people are using these substances because they are distressed, they're stressed, they need more focus, they want more energy, but it is causing the exact opposite in the long term. So what about that person out there that's listening to this and they're saying, you know, I do want to revamp my habits. Is it possible? People have overcome this caffeine habit, and you can too. You can do it. So what we want to focus on now in our next segment is how to get a real life giving lift without artificial stimulation. 
be sure and visit us at our website, lifestylematters.com, for more information on this and many other topics. We'll be right back. 